Welcome to Behind the Story with Naomi and Lisa, where we learn the story behind the story. I'm Naomi Craig, historical fiction author of Rahab's Courage. And my name's Lisa Renee from the Collaborative Press. I'm also a Christian contemporary romance author from the Single Again series. Now, before we get on to our very exciting show with award-winning historical fiction author, Carrie Taransky, uh, Lisa and I like to share a little bit about what's going on in our writer's journey, just so you guys can keep abreast of what we're doing um, and how we're doing. So Lisa, what are you up to these days? Yeah, well, I've had a great week and production. I've finished a novella, a Christmas novella for the Mosaic Collection. So that was that's due to get edited and in by August and it'll come out in October. So I'm really excited. I got to see the cover and um, so we'll be promoting that soon. So that's with some other authors like Shatona Havoc and others. And I've connected it to, um, to my series, Runcom series. So I've, this is a free novella. I do fake engagement mistake for my, my subscribers, but um, this novella is going to be about another couple, but it was just really fun. Um, and so, yeah. That was cool. It's, it's nice to just do a 15,000 word novel, novella, rather than, you know, doing 50,000, 60,000 words for the month. So that was pretty cruisy and easy. So what about you, Naomi? What have you been up to? Oh, that sounds exciting. That's, um, is that, and that's with Mosaic, right? Yeah. So we've got some new authors coming into the group. I'm one of them. And uh, yeah, so they've expanded their their author team there and so um we have a mosaic readers group and we do giveaways and that kind of stuff but oh, yeah fun. wonderful well i'm uh, trying to work hard at um edits revisions for my ezekiel book that's due really soon but um, my schedule is just being crazy like life has been crazy i went to a conference with my husband um last week and then stuff that I normally do in the afternoon got shifted to the morning. So I'm, I'm trying to be flexible and adaptable and still get some good quality editing in, but it's been a, it's been a struggle this week. So I'm, I'm trusting that the Lord will open up all those doors that need to be opened because <laughs> I need that help. So. Yeah, it is hard to schedule everything and keep consistent and family life and that kind of stuff so I had my children home for two weeks with the school holidays that they have um break so yes that wasn't uh, I didn't get a lot done and you know I need to spend time with my family yeah. <laughs> and um but it's good like prioritizing you know just chilling out spending time with the kids doing stuff taking to parks and doing that and that's yeah that's good and um yeah, and I think I, I I am a very productive person. Like I think I did this George Peterson test and I'm like 96% productive or something. Out of 100 people in the room, I'm like number 96. Sort of. So, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I can just, so even with writing and stuff, like I will listen to podcasts about, you know, author podcasts and, you know, I'm listening to books, I'm reading, I'm critiquing other people's books, I'm doing the collaborative press, like managing that and doing some then writing and edits and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, my whole life could be taken up with it. And I love it. I love it every minute of it. So, and then like I'm going to bed and then I'm thinking of a story I'm writing or <laughs> changing and marketing ideas and stuff. So I have to, um, yeah, I have to chill out in the, in the night. I have to 
sometimes I listen to something audio to distract me or something if I don't want to be thinking about it usually listen to the bible and stuff put it on Deuteronomy and (laughs) listen to all the names the son of the the, the son (laughs) yeah I do like listening to the bible at night so um and then, yeah, you'll get a good half an hour of thinking and then it was just like, oh. and then I wake up and it's like up to revelation. <laughs> <laughs> you had some deep sleep. <laughs> <laughs> then they have nightmares. <laughs> Our last show, we had Nancy Nagel, who's um, several of her movie books have been made into Hallmark movies. We have a shell collector available for one lucky winner. That note is in the show notes below. Be sure to check if that's you. Congratulations. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, and we will be in touch with that. And we have our show on podcast now. So if you prefer audio, it's on Spotify and other platforms, which is really exciting. And uh, we are on Instagram, behind the stories on Instagram, if you want to keep in touch. And if you subscribe to YouTube or the podcast, you'll get notified of when our next episode is on. And uh, we will have a giveaway. Um, We have a giveaway every week. um, And we also give away one of our one of our um, books. So I have the novella that I was mentioning before. I'll just bring this in. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> is a, a short rom-com. It's set in a small town in Colorado called Idaho Springs. And Naomi, what do you have? Uh, my novella is um, biblical fiction. It's called On Desolate Heights. And I'm going to pull up that picture right now because I don't have it. Um, it's about Balaam and his talking donkey. Um, so we'll have all that listed in the show notes. Um, it's super fun. If you actually subscribe to my newsletter, I've been reading a chapter of this. So if you like audio theater, then um, you can get a chapter each month and I link all the back ones before. So super fun on that. Um, today, like I said, um, we have Carrie Taransky on and it's a great interview. Um, and I did this one solo. So you'll just hear me or see me, um, at least I didn't feel like getting up at one o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> but I had a great time with Carrie Taransky and here is our recorded show. Our guest today is Carrie Taransky, award-winning author of 20 novels and novellas. She has won the ACFW Carroll Award, the Crystal Globe Award and the International Digital Award. And she was finalist for Inspirational Reader's Choice Award and Maggie Award of Excellence. Carrie is a prolific writer of contemporary and historical romance, women's fiction, short stories, articles, and devotionals, and she lives in central New Jersey with her husband, Scott. They have five adult children and six great, six grandchildren. I'm sure they're great, but... I'm sure they're not your great-grands yet. Um, Six grandchildren. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us on Behind the Story. Uh, thanks, Naomi, and Lisa, too. I hope you'll see this later. Um, I'm glad to be with you today. Absolutely. Now, I have to I have to start out when, um, so I had known that Carrie was going to be on our show, and I was um, doing research for my own book, um, which is biblical fiction, and I'm looking for ancient Jerusalem and gates and uh, maps and layouts of, you know, all that. So I come across this this map that was really helpful. Um, it was from Nehemiah's time and I need Solomon. So, you know, a little bit of time frame error for me, but uh, 
it was by a Scott Taransky. And I'm like, wait a second, what are the odds of, <laughs> of it actually being Carrie's, someone related to Carrie? So I, I did some digging and sure enough, it was Carrie's husband who posted that. So I kind of stalked her and said, <laughs> said that I appreciated that so <laughs> I oh, appreciate it was helpful for you that's great yeah good biblical research he's a pastor we've been in ministry partnering together over 40 years so that's wonderful my husband is a, is a pastor as well so I can definitely relate to that but that was that was really helpful and <laughs> so leave in the comments below who you which which a uh, famous person that you have stalked <laughs> I'd love to know. Um, so Carrie, your latest release, tell us real quick before we get started, for those who aren't familiar with you, who you are and what you write. Okay. Um, well, as you said, uh, I live in New Jersey now, but I'm originally from Oregon. And Scott and I have been here for 30 plus years though. So we're pretty settled in New Jersey. And we do have five adult children. And now we actually have a seventh grandchild. So we have one more than was in my bio. Uh, so we spent a lot of time focused on our family and enjoying, enjoying them. And um, I have been writing since about 2000, so about 21 years, and I have 21 books published. So an average of about one year, kind of a book. Um, so most of them are set in England. The last seven have been set in England in the early 1900s, kind of inspired by the rush of Downton Abbey that everybody was so interested in. So my publisher liked that time period and era and wanted me to set some books there. So I've stayed in that era and just really enjoyed learning a lot about um, life in England and Christians at that time and just what was happening in the culture. And so that's kind of what I've been writing lately. I, earlier, I wrote contemporary inspirational set in the US. So I have those two. And, uh, but my heart right now is to write English historical. I love it. That's fantastic. Now, have you ever been to England to do the research? Yes, I have. I um, taken two research trips and then we visited there a few times before that. Excellent. But the last two times we got to go really to look at the areas where the books are set and just get that um, sense of what the country's like and the people and the setting, that kind of thing. So that's really a blessing. How exciting. So your latest release, No Journey Too Far, uh, came out June 8th. Tell us about the book. I know it's part of a duology. What sparked the story for the series? Okay, the, um, the first book in the series is No Ocean Too Wide. And this one um, came about when I saw a picture on Facebook of some poor children that looked really ragged. And I thought, who are these kids? They look like they're from the time period that I like to set my stories in. So I followed the picture back to a Facebook group for the British Home Children's Research and Advocacy Society. And this is a group of descendants of British home children. And they, I learned that there were more than 100,000 poor and orphan children who were sent from England to Canada. And most of them were not um, adopted. They had to come as indentured workers, the boys to go onto the farms and the girls to work as domestics or household help. And we're talking about children. We're not, I mean, they're not talking about adults. These are young children that had to do that kind of work. And they had to work and stay in that kind of situation until they came of age. So in the first book, I created a fictional family that faced that kind of a situation with four siblings. And the oldest daughter had already gone off to work at a wealthy estate as a lady's maid. And the mother became ill, had to go in the hospital, and the three youngest are home alone. And they tried to take care of themselves, but they ended up stealing some food and getting caught by the police and then taken into a children's home and soon 
sent to Canada. When the oldest sister learns about this, she of course wants to find her siblings and try to reunite the family. So that's mainly uh, what happens in the first book. But I wanted to explore more about um, how these children, as they grew up, what happened to them as young adults when they finished their indentured contracts? And how did they face you know, the challenges of moving on in life? There was a real stigma against them, a lot of prejudice. Maybe you've seen Anne of Green Gables mm -hmm. where um, you know, she was a Canadian born home child and she, there was prejudice against her. But these kids, uh, prejudice was even stronger because they knew a lot of them may be illegitimate or they were poor. And there was sort of a belief at that time, if you were poor, that was your fault, your parents' fault. And it was sort of in your blood, it would be passed out to the community if you came. So they faced a lot of struggles. So I wanted to show that. So I wrote a second book, which is the one that just came out, No Journey Too Far. And this one is about the same family, but it follows um, the brother as he's trying to find the one sister who's still missing. And he's just finished fighting in World War I, comes back to England, see his family, and then he learns his sister's still missing. And also his sweetheart that's been writing to him, all of a sudden her letters stop. So he's going back to Canada to search for his missing sister and then also to find out what happened with the sweetheart. So we follow the family again and see how um, the search for those that are missing are found and, and what kind of experiences they've had and how the young adult British home children, how they face those and overcame those. Well, that sounds wonderful. It sounds super powerful. I think, I think I can imagine, like, it seems like it'd be a happy situation, but how many of those were treated poorly, even in the house, you know, that's, yeah. that's very heartbreaking. Yeah, they say that 60% of the kids suffered abuse or neglect. So there's a big, um, I mean, I think England has even offered an apology to the descendants, like a, from their, you know, their government. And Canada, they have an official day to remember these children. So there's like memorials around the country in Canada, and they just had their 150th uh, celebration of when the first group came. And there were, they all put up, a lot of people put up lights, red, white, and blue lights, all in different public buildings, that kind of thing, just to honor and, and remember the children. Because oh, there were so many um, that came that way. They say, I think they said one in 10 people in Canada has a relative who came as a British home child. Wow. So it, it really involves a lot of people in Canada and then some that also came into the United States. Okay, wow. So what inspired you to start writing 21 years ago? Okay, I, um, my family, uh, all five kids and my husband and I went to Kenya for a year. Wow. Uh, where we, we lived at a uh, mission station. My husband took over for a professor who had a year off. And he he uh, took over teaching his Bible classes. And we had such a great experience. We really loved our year in Kenya. And when we came back, I missed it so much. I thought, well, what if I wrote a story that was set there? I could kind of relive my experiences. So I wrote, you know, I just poured out a story. I didn't know anything about fiction technique or anything, but I just wanted to, I don't know, a sort of a relaxing way to kind of relive our experiences. So I did that, two really long books that will never be published. But um, it was, I considered them, you know, part of my learning how to write books. So that's what got me started. And then I joined a writer's group at my library. And then I wrote to uh, an author that I admired, Beth White, and asked her, you know, for her advice. And she told me about a new organization, ACFW, that was just starting. And she encouraged me to join uh, that group and, you know, see what I could learn there. So I did that and that really kind of launched me into learning and growing as a writer. That's wonderful. That's such a journey. I love it. Sometimes you need those never be published books as you're 
yeah. as your university to writing, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that's good. And people, I think, need to realize that I wrote actually five full-length books in wow. my novella before actually one was published. And I think some people, their first book is published, but that's pretty unusual. I mean, you yeah. have to really have a background or something because, you know, you don't walk in and do brain surgery or play right. a, you know, a, a symphony or something. You know, you it takes time to learn skills. I think I've heard like something like 10,000 hours invested to learn a skill and really be at a professional level. So yeah. I don't feel bad about writing all those books that will never be published. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Keep on the journey, because if you're truly in, into this, then the Lord will open up the doors at the right time. <laughs> right. That's great. So is there a common theme to your books that are throughout all 21? Or, um, Well, one thing I see that comes up often is I like to show how my characters, when they face difficult challenges, uh, things that seem that could destroy them, they have choices to make and God actually can bring good out of difficult situations. So that's a theme that comes up often. Most of my books have some kind of family drama in them. Um, of course, they all have a thread of romance and they all have inspirational themes. So I try to weave in God's love and truth into each story because I consider my writing a ministry and I want my books to have an impact. So I try to tell the best story that I can and think of really creative and natural ways you know, to weave that in. So when I give my character a problem, I try to think, well, how, you know, how could God get through and help that person? And I think of different ways in my own life or other places, things I've read or whatever, and then try to use those and, and weave them into the story. I love that. I think it's so true because the Lord's going to use what you're going through at this time and to help you process, but it is also going to be a blessing for somebody else as you're doing that. Right. Um, so we found that your last set is set in um, Canada and England. Where are, and a lot of them are in England, do you have other locations besides the Kenya that will never be seen? <laughs> well, I when I first started writing after the Kenya book, I did write some that are set locally. Okay. I live near Princeton University. It's kind of a pretty area in the Northeast here. And so I set a couple books there and then I, I'm originally from Oregon so I set a series in the northwest up in Washington state and then um, I think I did a historical novella in Wyoming and then I also did a series in um, Vermont. Excellent. So, kind of different places but the last seven have all been in England and that's kind of what I focused on lately. So what is the best writing advice that you would say someone has given to you recently? Okay. Well, I, I think that advice that Beth White gave me back at the beginning is still really good advice to join some writers organization. Mm -hmm. For me, it was ACFW. I know there's many other good organizations and ways to connect. Because when you connect with other writers, you really acknowledge I am a writer, mm -hmm. then you, you can step forward and you can network and encourage each other You can critique for each other. And you know, you hear about craft books, and there's just so much you don't want to go it alone. So I really appreciate that advice that she gave me. And um, I followed that and got really involved with ACFW and it's been a real blessing. I mean, That's wonderful. Really wonderful friendships with other writers that are just life changing. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, it's so helpful too. It's um, because everyone, I have, there's five of us in our critique group and everyone has their own strengths. And um, we do, a, we submit our full novel, you know, once a month we're working on something different, but 
it's just neat to see everyone's strength and it just makes it such a fuller experience for your personal book and also for the whole like feel like you can contribute to them as well and and you bring strengths to the table um it's really such a blessing yeah. such a godsend i got i got a uh, two notes today um so i'm coming up on a deadline for for my book and i got um actually three notes within like 20 minutes like hey i did this or hey how's it going and like and it was just such a blessing because it's you know the lord just providing when you need it so yeah that's important yeah do you ever read your book reviews? Well, you know, there's all kinds of advice out there about, you know, don't read your reviews, but I actually do. I don't, I kind of skim them. If there's a really low review or a really high review, I usually take a look at those because I think you can learn from them and you can learn what people appreciate or like about your books so that you can continue including those elements. But then sometimes with the low reviews, I mean, you'll see something actually that didn't work in your story and that's good to know. Or sometimes you'll just realize this person is not my audience, you know, <laughs> they're not the right person for this book. And sometimes because my books have quite a bit of faith element in them, I'll get somebody like, oh, I didn't know there was gonna be people, you know, praying in this book or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's just not my audience. So, <laughs> you know, I do get some of those sometimes, but I've been blessed to get a lot of great reviews. So I'm really grateful for that. And it, you know, I look on Amazon sometimes and I look on Goodreads, but that's all. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the best money you've ever spent as a writer? I think I would say going to uh, writers conferences because it is an investment, but I think, well, if you went, you had another career, you would pay to go to college or, you know, graduate school or whatever you would pay to, you know, network and connect with people. Um, and so, I try to budget for that and plan to go at least once a year to one and then maybe a couple of times a year to smaller brainstorming retreats with other writers so that I can stay connected with them and they can help me on my story and I can help them. I love that. Absolutely. So how do you find, do you find that, um, we've kind of touched on this before, but do you find that your faith impacts your writing um, and the stories that you're telling? Yeah, I think it's really important to me because, like I said, I consider it a ministry and I do want to weave in truth. And I, you know, if you look at the Bible and like um, Jesus often, you know, used parables, stories, because the story can really reach past the person's like, well, they're thinking kind of thing and can touch their heart and can help them see things in a different way. Just like um, with David, the prophet that came to him and told the story about you know, the little lamb being taken away, that kind of thing. And it was really, you know, stirred his anger until he realized, you know, you are the one who did this. And I think stories have a way and ability to do that. So I think, um, you know, I try to include faith elements in every story, different themes, like we kind of talked about already. But I do try, try to uh, make it natural. And, you know, my characters are not perfect. They usually always have struggles and issues that they're going through and sometimes they make good choices and sometimes they don't. And I'm thinking of in No Journey, I mean, in No Ocean Too Wide, the heroine is the older sister and she's trying to find out what happened to her younger siblings. And she faces this dilemma about, um, she has an opportunity to go to Canada, but it means she has to use a false name and actually kind of lie about why she's going. So she struggles with that. And so I had to think through 
you know, what's the right thing to do in that situation? And is that okay for her because she's trying to save her family? And so I try to weave things in like that where readers as well as the characters have to really think through an issue and say, what, you know, what's the right answer here? And how did they handle that? Was that the right way? Was there another choice they had? That kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's true in ministry too, because life is not black and white. Like it's messy. Like you, you have to make a call based on what you know of the situation, what the Lord is telling you, but that's, that is hard to, you can't classify it as yes or no all the time. Yeah. So in her situation, she had to really, you know, look at the results of what she did and then she's able to think back. It got her where she wanted to go, but was it, was that the only choice she had? Could mm -hmm. she so, so, good. so what is your favorite country that you've well, been to or that you want to go to or well I do love visiting England that's been great we've been blessed to do a lot of traveling so um we used to live in Hawaii for eight years that was really beautiful you could go outside and walk and exercise every day of the year it's always so pretty there and Humidity is like perfect. Your skin was always so nice in Hawaii. <laughs> but I really loved that. That was beautiful. And then, of course, our time in Kenya was life changing for all of our family. And that was just amazing just to be in another culture and, and see their faith and what, what it's like and what it means to them there. So that was great, too. So, was that a mission trip that you were on in Kenya? Yes. Awesome. Excellent. So, what, what is something that people would be surprised to learn about you? Um, that's a hard question. <laughs> You're pretty open book, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, here's one thing. I do love to cook healthy food. I'm kind of the health nut. So they might not know that about me, although I do share my Pinterest recipes sometimes. But I have an autoimmune condition. And so I've tried a lot of natural ways right. to be healthy. And so I have, you know, different Pinterest boards, maybe all kinds of things. And when people come to my house, I, you know, I try to disguise it enough that they will enjoy it too and make it a really healthy dish so that's kind of a fun thing my husband is good about it. he's he's trying to be really healthy too so okay. we'll get in there and use our stevia to sweeten things and you know eat a lot of fresh organic vegetables and fruits so we're growing our own blueberries for the first time this year so we had our first blueberry the other day i was really thrilled how exciting <laughs> one <laughs> from last year so it's going to take a few years for it to be a big harvest but at least they're starting to produce so that's kind of fun that's exciting. I love yeah. it. So what what hobbies and activities do you do outside of writing? And obviously, you probably can't walk you around outside where you're at. <laughs> no, no, not all the time. But I do love to garden. And I'm a big flower grower. So I have a lot of perennials. And then I put in some annuals. And I really enjoy that. And just a couple of weeks ago, I did a, with the ladies at my church, we had a make a flower planter. So I bought all these plants and all these ladies came over and we all made these planters. That's kind of a fun activity to do. And then I did a devotional about the word flourish, the idea of flourishing and what God, how God wants to help us flourish in our lives. Like you want your beautiful flowers to grow. So I enjoy that. And then I also like to do um, flowers for special events. So for two of my kids, I did flowers for the wedding. That was kind of fun. Uh, it's a lot of work. So <laughs> the last one, I didn't do that, but um, I enjoyed that. And so sometimes for things at church, I'll do flowers and we have, you know, lunches, that kind of thing. I'll do flowers with tables. And stuff. So that's kind of fun. I just enjoy that. Awesome. And what, when you're reading, what's your go-to favorite Christian genre that you pick up? 
Well, I do love uh, historical romance, which is what I write, but I also read, um, you know, contemporary romance. And lately I've been reading some time slip novels and I'm really interested in that. So I've read a few of those and uh, I'm enjoying kind of seeing how they weave the story together. So that's enjoyable too. Do you think you'll ever do a time slip? Yes, that's what I'm working on now. So. Oh, you've heard it <laughs> first here. I love it. <laughs> uh, so who would be three of your favorite Christian authors? Well, I would say Kathy Golke, who is a dear friend and uh, you know award-winning author. Her stories always just really come from her heart and she's such a great writer. I love everything that she's written. I also like um, Joanne Bischoff. Hers are just really deeply meaningful and um, so well-written. And I enjoy Becky Wade too. So those are probably three that I would say are some of my favorites. Excellent. So do you see, have you seen a change in the Christian field, the Christian market recently for books, for fiction? Um, do you think it's a positive change or is it kind of leaning towards negative or what's, what are your thoughts on the Christian fiction market these days? Okay, so there's a lot of things happening um, that are making a lot of big changes. One thing that's really positive is I think the level, the skill level of Christian writers has really, you know, continued mm -hmm. to increase so that there's a much more awareness of good craft and there's more opportunities to learn that and people are really diving in to, to do well with their writing craft and fiction. So that's great. I really think that's really helpful. Um, with the rise of the indie thing, a lot of, um, I mean, that's made it more challenging for traditional authors, which is, I've kind of been hybrid. I have some that are indie and some that are traditional. I have my out of print ones that I brought back. And then I also have one, one I did fully indie that had never been published before. But um, there are fewer and fewer slots available traditionally for people. So they have to, you know, there's fewer and fewer places. You have to decide if you're going to, you know, be indie or quit or whatever. So um, that's kind of a challenge. And of course, with books, so many bookstores closing, there's less, you know, spots on the shelf. And I think that's why there's fewer publishers that are accepting um, fiction proposals and things right now, too. There's, it's like half the size it was when I started. So it's really, that's kind of makes me kind of sad because mm -hmm. it makes it harder. Um, I know a lot of people really love indie and they enjoy um, doing it all themselves and you know hiring their own cover and their own editor. And that's certainly a great option. It's just a lot of work. And when you've gone, when you've done traditional and you've seen all that they do for you, it's kind of harder to think about being independent and yourself, but it does, it works. If you have the right, there's good and bads for both. I think you can get, you can do excellently with both. Um, I think it's really not a right answer either. Like it's what some people might thrive with indie might not be the right answer for someone else who needs a little bit more of, or would prefer to outsource more of it, you know? Yeah. And so that's neat how the Lord opens up the doors. And like you said, the quality is, we're not just limited to like, you know, the sweet Christian romance, you know, as Christian authors, you know, it's just exploding as far as the genres and, yeah. and the depth and really good, really yeah, good thing. Awesome. Well, what can you tell us about your next work in progress? What do you got coming up? 
Well, I have a couple different ideas I'm working on. One is a time slip. So I thought that would be a fun challenge to try to uh, learn how to weave a contemporary story and historical story together and make them meaningful. And I've really enjoyed reading some of those. So I thought, well, maybe I could try that. So um, the one I'm working on right now is uh, the working title is The Shepherd's Heart. And it has a contemporary heroine who is um, an evaluator for fine art. And she makes a terrible mistake and, and the classifies a painting as a um, copy when it was really an original. And so her grandfather owns the auction house that she works for. And so he sends her off to the Lake District to kind of give time for everything to settle down and for her to hopefully redeem herself by helping an old friend there who has a big house and they have a lot of art and antiques they want to sell. So she goes up there and she's also a young woman who um, has never known her father. And she learns that uh, while she's there, that this is the area that he is from. So she's also looking for her father and trying to learn who he is and see if she can reconnect with him. And then she finds a journal at the house that's actually uh, from the great grandmother of a person who lived there that is, um, also has father issues. It's a it's a young woman in the early 1900s, the heroine for the historical part, who her father was a very famous religious speaker, and he was actually leading a double life. He has a heart attack and dies, and she discovers that he has these love letters, and so she has to. It shatters her faith, and she's trying to recover her faith, and so her family goes to the Lake District, and so that's kind of where the stories are set and collide, and we see the the, the historical daughter kind of trying to make sense of what's happened and renew her faith. And she gets a lot of help from a guy who's a shepherd there. So the idea of the good shepherd and Jesus being our, the good father and all those kind of things are gonna be woven in there, I hope. I love it. <laughs> and uh, the girl who's modern, who's also has father issues and is trying to figure out how to forgive and, and if she can reconnect with her father. So that's where we're going. I love it. So what is the difference between time slip and I can't remember the other, I've heard that there is a difference between time slip and time travel. Yeah. Time travel or I know, I don't know. Well, that one seems, that one seems pretty straightforward. There's another one that people have said, oh, they're so different. You have to like, they seem like the same. <laughs> I'll have to, I'll have to look at it. I've heard it called, uh, dual time oh yeah split time slip time but those are basically pretty much the same right? idea okay you have two stories that and it's just different publishers call them different things okay and then the time travel is like what Adeline just said where somebody actually travels yeah time and they you know they're that person and they're actually there yeah that makes people. that makes sense so like that's what I had thought was that they sounded interchangeable but somebody was like no they're different like I don't see it. <laughs> I don't know the difference. So whoever they are, they better tell us. <laughs> tell me why. <laughs> oh goodness, excellent. Well, um, where can the readers find you? What's your website? And my website is just my name, Carrie Baranski, and um, my good friend Savannah Kaiser, who's also an aspiring author, just redesigned it. It's really pretty, very easy to. You know find what you want and, and she did a great job so i'm happy to have a, a brand new website all redesigned i'm on facebook or yeah. instagram or probably the main social media is where you'll find me i've been enjoying bookbub and, and leaving recommendations there that's kind of fun new thing too so 
Excellent. Well, make sure to check in the show notes, um, connect with Carrie, sign up for her newsletter, and you'll be alerted to her every new novel coming out. Um, also in the show notes, we've got lots of goodies for you. My biblical fiction on Desolate Heights is Balaam's story and his talking donkey. Um, Lisa has her rom-com fake engagement mistake. Um, I know if you sign up for Carrie's, you do get an in-between story from No Journey no journey too far, no ocean too wide. Sorry, I switched that. There's an in-between story for you there too. So lots of goodies. Um, Carrie is also offering a paperback copy of No Journey Too Far for one winner. So be sure to enter into our, our links below. Um, yeah, so follow Carrie, stalk her on, on social media. She's really nice, I promise. <laughs> a personal experience from that. So um, thank you so much for joining us here today, Carrie. We've enjoyed talking to you. Oh, it's been great. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Story. Until next time, let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So thank you again for joining us today on Behind the Story with Naomi and Lisa. Don't forget to click on the links and subscribe to our YouTube channels and you'll keep up to date with our author interviews. Have a great week. God bless.